Well, Kyle, I can't say that's not worth looking up. The best tech deck highlight reel of all time. Somebody out there is the Michael Jordan of tech decks. Let's make no mistake about it. DarbyCast Economics Wednesday. Welcome, you wonderful people. You're here. Maybe on a Wednesday. Maybe on a different day. Maybe you're a lazy Susan. And you like to let it ride. And you say, ah, the episodes, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know what? Honestly, I respect your process. Sometimes you got to slow things down and be like, ah, I'll listen to an Economics Wednesday on a Saturday. Bold thinking like that. Redefine the way that people get stuff done. You know it, I know it. Because if you're a Darby Cast doctor and you've been with whatever the hell this is, you're like, wow, maybe I need to expand my idea whodunitry in a big way. Maybe I need to be a thought leader. Maybe I need to amp things up. And whatever that means to you, consider it. Let's just take a quick pause and say how incredible the Darby cast has been in recent weeks. Been on a spectacularly amazing run. Don't want to jinx it, although I'm afraid I may have just done so by mentioning it. But the show must go on. The show must go on. Why not? Besides, I think episode 69 is this Friday. And that's got to do it for some people. They just see that and they're like, hell yeah. And maybe I'll have to plan something exceptionally lewd and inappropriate for episode 69, but I might not do that. Why appeal to such carnal filth when I could talk about other stuff? Who knows? TBD, episode 69. But it's Economics Wednesday. It is. Boy, do all the Darby cast doctors, I'm talking to you, by the way, love Economics Wednesday. Why don't you just take one hand and high five it into the other hand. Not in a way that's like a single clap, but in a way that is a high five to yourself. And if you're driving, wait till you're on a straightaway to do that and do it carefully. Occasionally, rarely, I will pull away from sheer and utter gobbledygook fictitious ravings to be moderately sincere. And I'm almost feeling that kind of way today for one reason or another. Perhaps it's the post-vacation blues and lamenting the fact that I'm no longer in Lumberjack Studios. But Economics Wednesday. A lot of people get caught up in the hustle bustle of the day-to-day of the news. I've done that less and less. You'll probably notice that towards the beginning of the podcast, I used to be way more lockstep with current events. And it's not to say that I ignore them completely at this point, but boy, do I just not invest nearly as much time into researching them. Because the very next day, something else comes out that is also the biggest issue to ever stare us down. That's exhausting, right? The way things have been going. 
how much longer do you think, as a country, we can tolerate the sensationalism that exists in the way information is shared and presented? Honest question. Because you've got like two options. Maybe three. If this persists. Like, can you imagine this level of informational and ideological mudslinging to persist for five more years? 10, 15, 20. Boy, this year has been stressful enough, has it not? But imagine just turning that dial up incrementally so it actually gets more intense than it is now over the next, like, eh, three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. Boy, does that sound like a real. Sounds awful. Sounds awful. What do you do if that were the case? I think you got a couple options. And this is economics because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think people can continue at this level of stress. I just don't think the mind, body, and spirit was really meant to process so many declared existential threats where every day you're getting something to be like, well, this is the end of mankind. This is the end of the Republic. It's the end of something on the daily. This could be the death of polar bears. It's like, no, every day, every day. I think you can kind of do a couple things. So let's get action oriented. Hey, you take a couple steps back. You say, I hate this. And you spend way less time in front of screens, cell phone, TV, computer, tablet. Maybe that's a movement that the Darby cast doctors need to start is a modern day Luddite movement, even though that already exists in the Amish. I wonder how the Amish have been doing throughout this. Probably exceptionally well, right? Kyle, look that up. See what the heck's going on in Amish country. Have they been hit hard by this? If they haven't, well, then the proof's in the pudding. Grow out your beard and we'll go live on a farm with guys named Ishmael and Ahab. We'll be fine. That might be the solution. Another option, option number two, the media collectively has this like aha moment where they're like, boy, we're really messing people up, aren't we? Sure, there are threats out there, but the way we present it, we make mountains out of molehills. Everything that happens, we now deliver in the tone of 9-11 as a state of a national emergency and a national crisis. That isn't responsible. Can you imagine if a bunch of journalists had this aha moment where they're like, we've really been pushing everybody's buttons. We should cool it. That's not going to happen. Option three, I think we all know what option three is. Nobody wants to see it. Option three is a little, little bit rough. It's a combination of options one and two. That's people become Amish and then force the journalists into changing their ways with a pitchfork. That's how the Amish get shit done. Musket and a pitchfork. Walk straight into MSNBC studios and say, it's over. We're Amish. 
Do you understand why you're fucked? I don't know if the Amish swear, but that would be an appropriate time to say something like that. When you have an Amish raid on a media organization, I don't know, maybe the Amish would head straight for Fox News and say, guys, we don't like you. Maybe they'd head for CNN and say, guys, we don't like your brand. Maybe they'd head for everybody and be like, you're all pretty irresponsible in different ways, but it's, you've all got culpability in whatever the hell this is. What do you call this era when you look back upon it? What will future historians call the coronavirus era? Because the coronavirus, it could be on the way out, could be a relatively short deal, or it could go on forever. Now, listen to me. Now I'm planting the seeds of existential dread in you. And I even mean to. Is that just what happens? Do people's brains default to doom and gloom? Perhaps. But man, what a wacky, stressful time. I think the stress levels going on right now are so inordinately high that kids are going to start going bald at like 13. And that's guys and gals. A bunch of high-stress kids as a result of this. Tell you whose kids don't look stressed. The Amish. That might be the theme of today's episode. In fact, I'm almost certain of it now. Just saying like, hey, maybe the Amish have it figured out in a big way. In a huge way. Their kids grow beards at 13 and they probably have full heads of hair and they're learning how to train oxen. I don't know any kids in my general vicinity who know the first thing about oxen. Bunch of dummies. The Amish, good at carpentry. Seen those guys put up a house in like an hour and a half. I think there's videos of that. Kyle, let's watch one of those after after this. But yeah, the pace of life right now, it's odd. It is stress-inducing. I feel for people. I do. I was driving today and I saw some lady with a buzz cut with a mask around her chin smoking a cigarette. There were parts of me that wanted to laugh. There were parts of me that wanted to cheer. There were parts of me that wanted to crash my car into this lady just to stop her and pull her out of the wreckage, give her a hug and be like, I'm so sorry. Whoever is contributing to this the most, I'm not about it. I think that would go a long way with that lady. Intentionally total her car intentionally total my car just to have a moment. It's a real Amish play, if you ask me. Some of you are scratching your heads and you're saying, an Amish play? How's that Amish? The Amish are a people who are all about the community. That's how. That's a community-building play. And be like, I'm going to do a car wreck just so I can acknowledge that whatever's going on For this lady's behind the scenes, it seems rough. But back to the entire idea of raging sensationalism in media. It seems as though there are a handful of concepts that are recycled forever. And they just continue to get more and more messy. I don't know if you can, like, debate your way out of them. Like, 
real shitty thing to do, I'm talking to you journalists, is to say, hey, why don't we start using racial rhetoric all the time? It's a tough thing to back down from. And I don't think the news reporting on racial issues does a whole lot of uh, positive things. I know that's a novel take. I know that's real. It's pretty original. Yeah, identity politics gone wild. I don't know how much longer people can do it for. I think there needs to be some serious Amish plays all around. And that's community plays. For those of you who forgot what I just said no more than a minute ago. Big-hearted community plays. There must be like a crushing and crippling guilt for some of these people who know how adversely their storytelling is affecting people. Like the coronavirus is one thing, right? But the reaction to the coronavirus, arguably worse by leaps and bounds over the virus itself, yes? Exacerbated entirely by media fear-mongering, which then in turn leads to a whole slew of other things. Yeah, I wonder if people feel bad wonder if there's a bunch of journalists that are going to come clean and be like, we knew what we were doing was very inappropriate, but we wanted to make money. Do you forgive us? I wonder what that conversation is going to be like. Let me give you a for instance. Say coronavirus kind of uh, turns out to be not as big of a deal as people have claimed it to be. Further. What if people knew it wasn't a big deal, but said it was anyway? Would that make you upset at the people who knew that it wasn't as big of a deal, but went along with it anyway, in a huge way, to make big bucks? Some might take issue with that. Some might. This kind of segues into the concept of trust. We live in an incredibly low-trust society. People have very little faith in our politicians our institutions, and each other. It is an ubiquitous mistrust. And boy, that is difficult to manage. People have good reasons for having trust issues. In your personal life, maybe you've been burned. Maybe you laid it out on the line and you're like, Sally, I'm into you in a huge way. And Sally said, can I just have the Diet Coke? I'm going to be late for something. Maybe that creates trust issues. Institutionally, maybe you got screwed over by an employer during this whole fiasco, debacle, mess. You're like, yeah, I don't trust big companies. Not after what Dell Computers did to me. I can't stand tech firms. Maybe you see the rampant corruption in government. Maybe you see the hollow rhetoric and shameless lying that happens in various forms of media. Maybe you see these things. You're like, I don't like this. I'm not buying it. I don't trust that source of information. Seems as though everybody has their own selfish interest. And I'm just getting cornholed over here. Is that the story of our society? 
a lack of altruism, a lack of trust, a humongous welfare nanny state that is enforced by a police state rather than people looking out for their fellow citizen. Who knows? How do you win somebody's trust back? What a challenge. Or do you just walk away and say, sorry, I've got a field in Pennsylvania to plow. I'm about to become Amish. Maybe that's the ultimate solution. Those people, they just get it. But people have been through a lot this year. Whole lot. Nerves are fried. Nerves are fried. You don't know who's lying to you, but somebody's lying to you. And then some people are saying like other people are lying to you, but then you're like, is that a lie? And then you're like, I need to disengage with whatever the hell's going on. That's really the the first step of the process. And I don't mean it in an apathetic way where it's like, like an emo kid would do it and be like, you need to go listen to some Avenged Sevenfold, Dad. I mean, like a conscious effort to be like, I'm out. I do not. I'm not about this. Not about it. Stress level's too high. Lack of faith in institutions. Low trust. What do you do? How do you rebuild that? When trust has been broken repeatedly, how do you build it back? A low trust society, also, side note, high fear society. You know who thrives on fear? Not the Amish. Mass media. They love it. They love it. And it's a good business model for them, right? Keep people super rattled, tuned in. But eventually, that comes at a great cost, right? Ruins everybody's sanity. Makes everybody resent one another. Fear one another. Be exhausted by one another and just want to turn inward and be like, well, I hate everybody. Can't trust a damn person in this entire world. It's a weird place to be. You know, the question is, when you don't trust anybody, how do you move forward from there? So on an individual level, it's different from a societal level. I will say that. I think when a society officially implodes is when people are like, I don't trust in the validity of just about anything that anybody says, because I think everybody's out for their own interests. And that's it. Kind of getting to that point. Kind of getting to that point where people are pretty checked out. You see your tax dollars squandered and you're like, ah, I'm sick of paying these. Boy, is that going to be a disaster this next year? What if there's just like a movement to like not pay taxes? I'm not advocating for this, by the way. IRS, stay away from me. But what if that were the case? That people had so little faith and trust in government to do anything in a competent way that didn't involve some backroom handjobbing and some quasi or even full-on bribery. That people are like, eh, taxes, not about it. You guys are terrible at spending money. You always skim off the top. All you politicians seem to be getting ostentatiously rich. I think the most powerful people in our society, you think they're making an exit plan? Illuminati Mike said they want to leave the planet. At the time, I was like, that's crazy. But now it's like, yeah, 
people are probably pretty upset at corrupt people gaming the system, right? Who knows? But yeah, low trust, high stress. What's that spell? Invitation to Amish country. Get out there. Go there. Start anew. I've had that conversation with so many people, not specifically about moving to Amish country, but people just being like, should I get the hell out of where I'm at? Go somewhere new? And it's like, maybe, I don't know. But chances are wherever you go, you'll bring your devices with you and they will continue to demand your attention and then abuse the shit out of you when they've got it. Not the devices themselves the companies making content that go on those devices. The rich fat cats of the world who are doing exceptionally well, they're running a hell of a smoke and mirrors play to be like, hey, punch sideways, punch down, don't punch up. We, rich people at the top rungs of society, you know we're on the level. We are about the common man. You know, who really hates you, though, is your neighbor. And let me ask you a question. If you have low faith in institutions and low faith in media, like some of you do, when they tell you, like, hey, blame it on somebody else, like, do you believe them that that's the right thing to do? I don't know. This has turned into a odd contemplative episode of the Darby cast. And you know what? I reserve the right to do that from time to time. After all, I do whatever I want on each episode, and it rarely has any kind of rhyme or reason or sticks to the central theme of whatever day it is. You know this, but you're still listening, and I respect the shit out of you for doing such a thing because there's some people who just want to be like, hey, I want to listen to a podcast about murder mysteries only. True crime. That relaxes me before bed. It's like, what? But Darby Cast doctors, you're great people. I appreciate you continuing to spread the Darby Cast far and wide. The audience is beginning to hockey stick in terms of listeners, which is kind of tight. And if the influence of this show continues to escalate, we may have. Quite a few deliberate car crashes leading to intense emotional moments with strangers that subsequently lead to a mass exodus to Pennsylvania and a budding Amish population. Now, some of you are saying, whoa, Amish, that's a little too far for me. While others of you are saying, Amish, that's not nearly enough. I don't know where each of you stand on your willingness to completely upend your lifestyle and become Amish. I don't know where you're at on that, but it's a spectrum, right? That's what they tell you about everything now. So it's a spectrum. Your willingness to do things like an Amish person. Are you 100% in? Are you 0% in? I would love it if some of you, after this, you say to yourselves, this is an Economics Wednesday. Therefore, I'm going to use some of this knowledge that I gained today and apply it to my own economic situation. I'm going to go search for a job and the top of my resume, what's it going to say? On the spectrum of Amish, 
Amishism. On the spectrum of Amishism, I'm a 23% kind of guy. I'm a 47% kind of gal in Amish willingness. And your employer is going to be like, wow, so you're a Darby Cast doctor as well. Shut up and kiss me. And low key, you just, you allow it. Okay. Some of you are thinking, I want to go back to more of a caveman-like pattern of living, subsistence, culture. And I say, bravo. Way to pick up the torch and run with it all the way. Well, others of you are saying, I like having a microwave and other conveniences that use electricity. Going full Amish seems like a little much. But let me tell you why that's a borderline insane thing to say. Because once you go Amish, you're going to have about 18 children. And you will be able to dispatch them to do anything for you. You had no TV or social media to distract your kids. And you'd be like, Obadiah, get over here. Go fetch some wood. And then you look at your other kid and you're like, Jeremiah, take out this cast iron pot. Season it lightly. And then tell your daughter, Helen, Helen, heat up food. And there you have it, your replacement for a microwave. You see how? The Amish have it figured out, and you fucking don't. I'm not saying I do. I'm saying the Amish do. And I, like you, am in a position where, like, ah, if things continue on the current trajectory, might have to start making some sort of moves. But a lot of those moves might not even have to be physical. Because newsflash, I don't think you need to move to Pennsylvania to kind of declutter your life from a technological standpoint and be like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the dumb phone. I'm going to use a typewriter. Time to listen to some old time radio. Maybe that's the economic whodunit of the day. Do you think we should all take a serious inventory of the kind of information that we uh, allow into our lives, that we allow to proliferate in our lives? Listen. I do this often where I'm like, ah, damn these digital devices and to hell with these duplicitous crooks who keep skimming off the top. All our institutions seem to be really corrupt, shamelessly corrupt. Like they don't even make an attempt to hide it anymore in a lot of ways. They just break the rules and pay the fine. And it's like, what the hell? Somebody do something about that. Can, can somebody get that? But you have to think. What would the Amish do? I bet you the corona numbers in Amish country are nearly non-existent. They're healthy people. Their beards are their masks for the guys and for the gals. Their brilliant, shimmering smiles are so luminous that they destroy viruses. I've had this conversation with people when they say, I got to get out of town. Say, well, what are you going to bring with you? What are you going to do differently? A lot of people seem to have this fantasy of living in the woods. I can't tell you how many people I know who have talked to me and said, I'm going to move to Montana. And I look at them and I'm like, that sounds really great on paper, but you have no skills that would allow you to be successful there. Nor do you have a community of like-minded individuals who will build you a house in an hour and a half 
totally comped. I think that's how the Amish do business. Say, hey, you're in. House, comped. Stern-looking wife, but tender on the inside. Pretty expressionless, emotionless face, but on the inside, brimming with enthusiasm. Very confusing at first sight, but then heartwarming later. I think you just get gifted a wife. If you're a gal and you're like, I want to move to Amish country, you will get a strapping, socially awkward dude who wears suspenders, but he'll treat you probably better than whatever kind of dating scene you're into right now. Let's be honest. Dating's rough. Boy, has this episode bounced all over the place. Let's recap. High stress, low trust, high Amish plays to pivot away from the nonsense of the world. That's an economic play. A lot of people, they've got these big bank accounts, but maybe there's more to life. Maybe there's more to life. Ask Obadiah. Ask Jeremiah. Ask Zachariah. Any other ayah in that community. Ask them. What else is there? You'll probably get a great reply saying, you ever churn butter? Can I teach you how to yoke some oxen? And then you find out all the things you've been missing out on. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm going to do. And I give away a lot of ideas on the Darby cast, especially Economics Wednesday. I just dish them out for free. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to make like a one-month Amish boot camp because a lot of you aren't sold on this quite yet. So I got to show you proof of concept before you change your entire lifestyle at the drop of a hat, potentially after intentionally crashing into somebody's car who you feel like could really use some human touch. Amish boot camp, one month. Kyle, go on Zillow, find a plot of land somewhere, preferably Pennsylvania, but I will do Nebraska if land is cheaper there. In fact, Kyle, wherever land's the cheapest, we are on a budget. We will buy Camp Amish. And we will teach people how to churn butter, how to yoke oxen, how to disengage with their digital devices. Teach them how to build a house in an hour and a half with buddies. Teach ladies how to really rock a stylish bonnet. That sounds great, doesn't it? Camp Amish, I'll see you there. That's Darbycast for you. You can't take this idea. Others, I say, hey, take it. But this one's mine. So, Camp Amish, Kyle, that is the gem we get out of this. How do we rebuild a low-trust society? How do we take low-trust individuals, collectively rehabilitate them, get them back out there in the world, and say, hey, this is a sustainable path? doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on. You start talking about sustainability, whew, people on the left, they're coming. You talk about, you know, chopping wood and enjoying the countryside, there you go. You got people on the right. Yeah, those are the only things people on the left and the right are into. That's it. If you want to figure out somebody's political affiliation, just be like, are you into sustainability? And if they say no, then they might be a moderate. But your follow-up question is like, do you like the countryside and swinging an axe? It's a right-winger. If you ask somebody like, hey, do you like the countryside? And they're like, definitely. And you're like, are you also into sustainability? And they're like, yeah, sort of. And be like, okay, kind of a libertarian, I guess. 
That's it. That's going to do it for the Darby cast. Send this to somebody who you think needs a lesson in the Amish. And they're just like, I'm overwhelmed. My nerves are fried. I don't know what to do. There's too much going on. They're having trouble checking out and be like, hey, can I just send you a podcast episode that'll completely change your entire outlook forever and make you feel rejuvenated and regain your faith in your fellow man? Could I grace you with such a thing? And then before they answer, you hit them with like, nah, you probably wouldn't be into that. And then they really come after you and they say, what? What do you mean? What's it all about? And then you don't tell them a damn thing. You don't. You say, I am not going to ruin a surprise for you because this is too good to ruin. That's economics for you. That's pulling a big Amish play and that's setting things right. Darby Cast, you're great.